It is Friday, March 24th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Thanks for hanging out with us on this final Friday without baseball until sometime during the October playoffs. I love it. At this time next week, we're going to be discussing what happened on opening day. You're a sicko, man. You you love sports, uh, particularly baseball. And you mentioned that yesterday, the same stat yesterday. And I said, look, bro, yes. how do you want me to react to it two days in a row? It's great. I love baseball, too. I can't wait to sit here Monday through Friday and talk about it with you. But like, you know, okay, get over it. Okay, baseball's here. All right. Thank you. Unfortunately, we have to discuss something that um, is sad off the top of the show. That is that the defending National League champions will be without their first baseman, Reese Hoskins, who tore his ACL during a game on Thursday. You couple that with Bryce Harper missing at least the first couple months of the season. Does it feel like Philly is playing for a wild card spot right out of the gate? Number one, I want to give, you know, my condolences to Reese and, and his family because this is a, going to be a big year for him. And now he's going to be, you know, missing essentially the entire year. I believe it's probably going to be the entire year. And there was an article already written by Matt Gelb, who covers them for The Athletic. Like This could be the end of Reese's Phillies tenure. And I really I really hope it isn't uh, because he's kind of like embedded himself there in Philadelphia. He's bought a home. He stayed there during the off seasons. He's had his ups and downs, obviously, but culminated last year by some extreme highs in the postseason with that bat uh, throw down. Uh, to answer your question, I think it kind of does. I mean, Reese is a tough one, and then Bryce is also another tough one to be without, and you have those two teams in front of them in that division who are you know, seemingly getting it off to a hot start. Now, the Phillies could come back in the second half and, and, and run the table and, and, and be – <laughs> running for something i'm sorry what happened did you lose an earbud bud let me put that back in they could come and be in the running for something but it, it does seem to me like they'll probably be playing for one of the wild card spots and, and that's okay um this team has plenty of star power on it still so like they could just clip this and and, and shove it in my face later on in the season but in my mind yes i think it, it does mean they're going to be playing for a wild card and i probably would have said that even with uh reese in the lineup as well. As sad as it is, I don't think I'm going to offer my condolences. I tend to save that for. That's sorry. I had happened. the wrong word. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe that's the word you wanted to use. Maybe you're that crushed. By I feel, it. I do I feel sad. I, I, I feel, I've always felt sick for pro athletes who get injured during their spring training exhibition season, whatever it is. We don't see the work that guys put in. You know, we only see them for three hours a day when they participate during the regular season or during the playoffs, and then they disappear. And we forget that they have families, that they have, you know, issues that go on in their lives, just like the rest of us. We don't see the, the physical struggles that sometimes they go through as they're prepping for a season. You know, all we care about is that they're there when we're ready to have first pitch at 710 every night. And Reese Hoskins has been that guy. He has been there virtually every day for the Phillies since he came on board in 2017. In fact, there's only two other first basemen that, that have hit more homers than Reese Hoskins in the sport since he made his debut. And that's two pretty good ones, Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Olson. The Phillies are going to be missing an awful lot here. Does that mean that Derek Hall gets a chance to turn into a star over there? I don't know. Does it mean that they push Alec Boehm over there and they put Sosa at third at times? 
perhaps was this going to be Reese Hoskins Philly swan song anyway I'd put it better than 50 50 that that's the way it was going to go because you can't pay everybody um but big picture here this is really going to hurt them and you couple that with what's happened in their rotation during spring training you know we don't know if painter would have made the rotation but now they can't count on him Ranger Suarez has had a bulky elbow that scares the hell out of me so this is a team that's got a lot of questions around it. I suppose the good news for them is that the Mets don't know what they're doing with their closer, and Atlanta's had some issues as well. Yeah, you know, this is um, it's one of those things where someone you know goes down, does create opportunities. So I do like that aspect of it. Like, can someone step up in Reese's uh, spot? You hope for the Phillies' sake that they can. Uh, but to go back to Reese as well, I mean, he – the reason I feel really bad is, you know, I was part of a team that wasn't very good. And, you know, Reese was part of those teams with the Phillies. And then finally, you know, they bring in a bunch of guys around them. They start to win and they're, you know, they're poised to do it again this year. Like those are the seasons you live for, man. And it got taken away on a non-contact play, just a freak accident. And it's just tough because I know the work that he's put in the off season. And like I said, this, like, this was going to be a very good year for the Phillies and for Reese Hoskins. And now he just gets to watch it from the sidelines. It's, it's tough, man. It makes me feel really sad for him. We wish him well in his recovery and uh, whatever comes next for Reese Hoskins, whether that is in Philadelphia or elsewhere. In the meantime, we continue our whip around Major League Baseball as we make a stop in the National League West, which has become a very intriguing division. The Dodgers, they have won nine of the last 10 division crowns. They're coming off a 111-win season, but have their off-season defections, coupled with San Diego's continued spending out of the gourd, made the Padres the team to beat. This is a tough question for me because I've answered it in a few different ways. You know, we've done these TPPs on, on talking baseball. And when we talked about the Padres, I said, look, man, like these guys aren't scared of the Dodgers. They just went and beat them in the postseason. Now these are two different teams. There's some people that were on those teams that aren't some, uh, and they've at one team is added and one team is, is subtracted. And that team is the Dodgers that has subtracted. Uh, but I still think, you know, if you go by top end talent, I might give, the Padres, you know, the upper hand here, but the depth is still on the Dodgers side. In my opinion, they have guys on the roster already guys pushing at AAA that I think are going to be pretty good big leaguers. So if you're talking about the season 162 and 180, I think I still go Dodgers. I think like they understand, you know, platoons and how to win games and series during the regular season. When it comes to the postseason. I think it's 50-50. I really do. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched, Chris. So to answer your question, I think I'll still go Dodgers in the division, uh, but I don't think there's a lot separating these two teams right now. So the Dodgers won the division by 22 games over the Padres. Yes. Padres almost won 90 games, and they finished 20. You know how many exits back that is on the five freeway? 22 games. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. So I, I've tried to figure this out mathematically more than anything else. So if the Padres have improved by yeah. six or seven games, let's put them in the mid-90s win-wise. Win Are the Dodgers going to fall back 15 games, 16, 17 games? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. It doesn't. And the last time I picked against the Dodgers 
was at the beginning of the 2019 season. Remember what happened at the end of 2018? The Rockies had to come down here and play game 163. The Dodgers ended up winning that. I looked at the Rockies and I was like, okay, not only are they ready, not only do they have some star power, they've got a rotation. And I was like, this is the year I'm picking the Rockies to win the division. They finished like 50 games behind the Dodgers. <laughs> now that will that will not happen this year. But I'm still going to pick the Dodgers, I think, by this much, even though I, I've done everything in the world to convince myself that losing a $300 million shortstop for the second straight offseason, that losing your undisputed leader in Justin Turner for the last eight years, that not having Walker Bueller, that having a lot of question marks in their starting rotation is going to be enough to supplant them atop the division. Like there are, I just gave myself eight reasons right there why yeah. I shouldn't pick the Dodgers. You forgot, you forgot Gavin Lux being out too, the guy they were supposed to have right. a shortstop this year. Right. There's another one, nine. So why am I picking the Dodgers? Track record, essentially. I, I mean, 111 last I, year. I mean, you, you're doing the math, and, and I, I don't know if that's the, the right way to approach the season because they're just completely different things. And, like, the streaks the Dodgers went on last year, they might not go on this year. Um, but it's it's hard to bet against that organization. And there's still, like, plenty of talent on the roster, like plenty. It's just – turned over a little bit guys that we had seen there kind of gone like the Justin Turner one for me is that really hurts because you like you mentioned he was the unquestioned leader there but dude think about the guys they still have in the clubhouse that can be leaders that are leaders Mookie Betts Freddie Freeman I mean, do we know that though Max Muntz we I don't do. know that I do we don't know that what do you mean I, you don't know I that you... they're not well, leaders you're not inside of a when you're not inside of a clubhouse, I have a hard time judging leadership unless I'm talking to guys in there. And okay. maybe you have talked to some guys. It's just the, those guys haven't had to. Mookie Betts is, is an outsider. He he didn't grow up in this organization. He didn't grow up in L.A. Freddie Freeman is from Southern California, but he's an Atlanta Brave. He's not an L.A. Dodger. When it's all said and done, we're going to look at him as an Atlanta Brave. My point is, is that when they me, came. Well, no, but when they came here. They didn't have to answer the questions the way that Justin Turner has. They didn't have to go to every marketing thing that the Dodgers put out there, which is a ton. They didn't have to go to every charitable event. I know this sounds like it's not baseball, but it is. It is because after a while, that grinds on guys. They don't want to have to do it on their off days. Justin Turner would show up to yeah. everything out here, and he would perform on the field. And I'm not saying that those guys don't have the capabilities. It's just they probably haven't been asked to be the face of the Dodgers the way that Justin Turner was over the last several years. Yeah, but they have experience being the face of another franchise. I mean, the Braves, that's a big market. Boston's a big market. And don't forget, Clayton Kershaw's still there, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So what, you know, everybody uh, wanted to throw bouquets in the direction of the San Diego Padres with their offseason of spending nearly a half billion dollars. Um, what's their weakness? Padres weakness. What's the biggest question mark for you? Um, I think it's, I think it's like, if there are injuries, which we've seen, is there enough depth there to get through the season i think once the everyone's on the field there's not a lot of question marks and then there's some question marks of where you're going to plug guys in 
you know, Tatis is going to play right field when he comes back. Soto's going to play left field. So you have some guys that are gonna need to be moved around the field, the Cronenworths, the Kims, all these guys like that. Like, what are you going to do with guys like that? I think that's a question mark. And that might, you know, there's some things going on in the clubhouse when you have a lot of guys for not a lot of positions. Um, but for me, I think it's once you get past that, um, and there, there are going to be injuries through the, through the season, you know, is there enough depth there to overcome it right now? If you just look at the roster and if you have everyone healthy, there's not a lot of question marks there to me. I think that they have a team that's going to go out there. I, I just said, they're going to go toe to toe with the Dodgers, maybe not in the division because the Dodgers have kind of just found that out, but Overall, this team looks like they're ready to, you know, be in the World Series, contend for the World Series. And it's just not a lot of question marks besides maybe a little bit of lack of depth. I would say the back end of the rotation, if we're getting picky here, right? I think that's probably it. Walk and Martinez. You know, Seth yeah. Lugo, he'll step in. The thing is, is that they don't, you know, for the longest time, we kept hearing about the Padres youngsters. Well, they've traded away some of them, right? Um, Mackenzie Gore ain't there now. He's not there to be kind of that guy, just the break glass in case of dude. He's on the other side of the country now. So um, I suppose that's that's about it. It's nitpicking right now with the, with the Padres roster. Are you 100% convinced that Fernando Tatis Jr. returns to what we saw prior to surgery and suspension? I think offensively, yes. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see him in right field and how he adapts. This guy's an athlete. I think he'll, he'll eventually figure it out. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Padres spring training games. I did see a few gaps out there by him, but I think that's kind of just like people showing me that because it's they want to see Fernando Tatis fail. I don't want to see him fail. I think he is going to be good out there. He has the potential to be. Um, but I think offensively, this guy's going to come back and light the world on fire. I do. Do you think if he put up MVP-type numbers that some people would be reluctant to vote him that? No. I don't think so. I don't either. No. Nor should they be. Yeah. And he's only missing, what, 20 games? Something like that? He's back on April 20th? Yes. Yeah, something like that. And that plenty, okay. He's going to have plenty of time because we know what he's done when he's come up and not had a full season, the numbers that he's been able to put up. So this is essentially going to be a full season for him. You know, missing 20 games is not too much. You know, if this guy plays 130 games, he could he could run those numbers up, especially those counting stats, man. The guy's going to steal some bases. He's going to hit some homers. We know that. By the way, I think that kind of lost in the whole wash, the return of Tatis and the extension for Machado is the fact that Juan Soto, I think, is about to go cuckoo in this lineup. Settled, no yes. trade rumors, focus on this. Yeah, some people want to start talking about his contract, but I think he's apparently just- he bought a house in San Diego. So they're saying maybe why would that's <laughs> well, I don't know. you're yeah, right. Why wouldn't you? If you're about to get a contract that starts with a four or five, even if he doesn't end up there, it's a nice place to go chill. Yeah, I think doesn't Bill Gates, he just built something down there. So maybe he's just trying to cozy up next to old Bill. Let's move on to the third place, San Francisco Giants. They missed out on the big fish in the offseason, but which veteran that they brought in will grab some headlines for them? 
I think this is going to be an interesting take, but I read an article the other day that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, Shamanaya, former teammate of mine, dreadful for the Padres last year, right? Just not good. Yep, horrible. But this dude's a big guy. And I always wondered, like, why can't you throw harder, dude? I always wondered that. Even when I played with him, he was kind of like that, like, finesse funk type left-hander. But this guy's massive. I think he's like 6'6", 240 or something like yeah, that. He's big dude. dude. The Giants sign him to a two-year deal, and they challenge him to go become a power pitcher. They want this guy sitting, you know, 94 to 95, touching 96, 97. He takes his talents to drive line, like so many people have, and he's come into spring training, and he's looked the part. Um, so I think that is you – know, their, their strength on this team is rotational depth, unlike the Padres. They have a bunch of pitchers, but I think Shaman Naya, if he can continue – his velocity that he's had in spring throughout the year. He said he's worked on some vertical depth with his changeup, whereas last year he was trying to make it run horizontally. They said, no, this is what the, this is what the giants do, which I like about them. They can go in and take guys and say, look, this is what we think you can be. Now let's go create you. And so they said, let's run your fastball below up. He's been able to do that. Let's create more vertical depth on your changeup. He's been able to do that. Now you pair that with a decent slider. And now you're a totally different pitcher. And he was kind of mentioning that in this article saying like, it's a mentality too. It's not just physical traits. You have to go up there thinking I'm a power pitcher now. And he's been able to do that. And I think if he can sustain his velocity throughout the season, we might see like a huge jump from where he was last year. And that'll be awesome. You know, for a giants team, that's kind of middling right now. We're, we're not, we don't have too high of expectations for them. Um, but if you can get a guy like that to make that leap, then, you know, you're going to get some extra wins because of it. I'm going to go with another 30-something pitcher that they brought in on a multi-year deal. Uh, the Chicken Strip, Ross Stripling, yeah. made his major league debut in that stadium up there in San Francisco and got taken out with a no-hitter, much to the chagrin of some people, even though his father later talked to Dave Roberts and said, thank I you, forgot about that. my son. Yep. Uh, so Stripling's had an interesting career where he's bounced around starter, bullpen, goes up to Toronto. What is he? Well, last year, he actually had a phenomenal year. Go look at his numbers. Now, he is not a strikeout artist. He is a contact pitcher, so he needs guys to ball behind him. He's going to need that. And um, as long as that happens, he should be fine. But he basically had a career year. Popped it in um, innings pitched, even though he made fewer than 25 starts. ERA plus of 129. Once again, I said he's not a strike. He's not a missing bats guy. So... Some sabermetricians aren't going to love him because the luck could go against him when you put the ball in play. And I get all that, but he's dependable. He's, he's just solid. He's never a guy you're going to race to the TV or streaming device to go watch. But at the end of the day, he's going to give you six innings. He's going to turn it over and he's going to keep your team in contention. And you, more teams need guys like that for $12 million a year than some dudes who make 33 and can wow you. Yeah, I mean, look at this. As I said, they have a ton of pitching depth there. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Is it a team that they're going to keep it and just hoard it? Are they going to move some at the deadline? It's going to be interesting to see what they do because you're mentioning two guys right there that, you know, are they going to be long-term fixtures there? What's Stripling's deal in in, uh, two, in San Francisco? Multi-year deal. Just two. The two? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, that- so the only starting uh, pitcher they've got under the age of 30 is Logan Webb. 
everybody else, Wood, DeScalfani, uh, Stripling, Manaya, um, Alex Cobb is still there in his mid-30s. All those guys are over 30. Somebody gone, by the way. Somebody gone. Somebody's yeah, going to so. go. I think so. That's okay. Yep. But it will not be Ross Stripling. Or Logan Webb. Arizona. Still seems a little too young. Or is it? Do you give the D-backs any shot to surprise everybody in the baseball world and be in wild card contention come late September? I do give them a little shot. I give them a little shot. And, you know, I think they are, this is a team, these teams like on the fringe like this, that are kind of up and coming, you know, could have a surprise year, if you will. I mean, they benefit massively by the extra uh, playoff spot. If there wasn't an extra playoff spot, I would not give this team a chance, but you know, there is, there's a chance here that we know about the exciting young guys with Corbin Carroll, some of the other guys like Alec Thomas, and they have a bunch of guys ready to break uh, with the team and kind of like, you know, show out in the major leagues for the first time. It's just like the division they play in is very tough. And there's some really good teams in the national league this year. I'm going to give them a little bit of a chance, Chris. Um, but I think that their window is more 2024, 2025. This could be a tester year. We could run into some Orioles magic type stuff here. Uh, but in my mind, I'll give them a percentage. I'll give them a 10% shot at competing for the wild card. And they could prove me wrong, and I would love that. It just seems like they're a year or two away. I would give them better than a 10% shot okay. because I'm happy you brought up the Orioles. Because when we looked at the Orioles last year, we were, I think our question was, are, are they staring at another 100-loss season? Yeah, we did say not that. Only, not only did they give us the middle finger on that one, they were they were in it until, you know, basically mid to late September. And this pitching staff has way fewer questions than that Orioles pitching staff did a year ago. Obviously, we know at the top with Gallon Kelly, People wonder about the next two veterans, right? Does Mad Bum have anything left? Davies, does he, what does he deliver? They had a couple of interesting guys in Nelson and Jamison who came up toward the end of the year and actually pitched pretty well, but they only combined for seven starts. So we have to, you know, I mean, you, you either take a leap of faith and say, yes, I believe in both those guys, and some one of those two is going to get a start every five days right out of the gate, and if one of those – you know, veterans stumble. It just feels like there's too much if after the first two pitching days of the week, if you will. And uh, I know that they've added some veterans. They've got some veterans at the back end of the bullpen. That was a real Might issue for okay. them last year. That was a real issue yeah, for them last year. They've, they've, they've tried to address it a little bit. They've brought in who? They brought in Chafin. Uh, who's Chafin's the other guy back? Castro. Yeah. Miguel Castro they brought in. So they've tried to and, address uh, it. Jury's familias out there too, I believe. So, I mean, look, what you what percentage you give him? I would give him a li- I would give him under twenty, but not as low as ten. Let's say. Oh, 16. come on, man! It's like the same thing. What? It's not the same thing. It's in the I'm neighborhood. Seventeen percent chance. I'm gonna give a seventeen percent chance. I, well, I just did. this is not this is Price is Right. You don't get to go back and rebid <laughs> just because I went over the top on you. No, no, no. That's not. How I want it works. this team to be. I'm this team's gonna be fun showcase. to watch. This team's going to be fun to watch. Um, they're going to be streaky. That's what I think. You know, when I think about these young teams like this that have some talent, they're going to go on runs both ways. They're going to go on some winning streaks yeah. and they're going to go on some losing streaks. And I just think in that division, 
They're going to go up against some guys, and I think it's going to be good for them in the long run to face this Dodger team, to face this Padres team, to get these guys, you know, iron sharpens iron. Is that a saying? I think it is. Yeah. The window's coming. Arizona. We play for rings in the desert in 2024 and 2025. Okay, very quickly, there's one other name I want everybody to pay attention to. Scott McCup. He's pitched one season in the big leagues. Yes. 2015 with the Marlins. Six games. He went over to the Far East, became a three-time All-Star in Japan. He's going to get some opportunity to close, it sounds like. Just say, I was listening to baseball today when. That's okay. it. Uh, I want to spend one minute on the Colorado Rockies who finished 43 games back in the division. What's a successful year look like for them? I think a successful year is to see a healthy Chris Bryant do some Chris Bryant things, to see the young guys on the left side of the infield kind of come up and flourish, Ezekiel Tovar and Montero. Like You just want to see some guys that you're counting on down the road come up and have some success. It's okay. They're going to fail too, but you want to see them be able to make adjustments. Uh, and and look, you want you want some bounce back years from some of these guys, some of the veterans on the team. I don't think they're going to – obviously not going to be in contention for anything. You want to see all those things going in the right direction. I think the most important thing is the young guys that you bring up just to get them some playing time. Don't block them for some veterans. Like let these guys get some big league bats, some dirt on their spikes, if you will. Let them go through the ups and downs and just have some guys there uh, to support them, to help them get through it. I think that to me is the most successful thing you can have. I don't care about wins and losses for the Rockies right now. If you're in Denver and you're Rockies fans, you shouldn't care about wins and losses. Let's get these guys up, build for the future and make sure that, they're just getting some at-bats, essentially. Well, we know the pitching was a nightmare. Team ERA over five. But when you think Colorado Rockies, you think, well, at least they're kind of fun to watch offensively. <laughs> Not last <clears throat> year, 149 homers, second fewest that they've had in a season yeah. in franchise history. Now, the injury bugaboo's already bit. Not Chris Bryant, but two guys who were expected to be penciled into their lineup. Rodgers is out the year because of a shoulder. Bouchard is out because of a ruptured bicep. So that's the problem. I agree with you on the Montero and the Tovar left side of the infield, but they've got to rediscover that offensive identity. That's it. That's why you go to Colorado to watch some baseball, find some tent poles in the organization moving forward. So, yes, I agree. If they do that and they still lose 95 games, then it's been a successful season. Ooh, also, also, you sign Profar to a one-year deal. Hopefully he goes off. Right? Yeah. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Mustakis, you're gonna make yes. the team. I think he is. I think Mustakis is gonna make the freaking team. Okay, that'll be fun, I suppose. It will be. It will be fun. So there you go. All right, it is time right now um, for our Fubo TV question of the week. We appreciate everybody sending it in. Head on over to Fubo TV slash Baseball today. You're gonna get 15 percent off your first month for the great streaming service. Uh, thanks to everybody who sent in a question. We are going to go today with Robbie K. You are our big winner. What is the greatest sporting event you ever got to see in stadium? It could be for any reason, game important, sentimental reason. Maybe it was just perfect, but I'd like to hear about it. So Robbie K, thank you very much. Floofy? That is a great question. I like that one. Two came to my mind quickly, and you know, I know you hate when I do two, but just no, that's okay. Quick, this okay. one I give you more, I'll give you more latitude. The, the first one I say was just recently when I got to watch my friend win a Super Bowl, um, at his home stadium in my hometown. That was really cool, <laughs> yeah. So that was a 2022 Super Bowl, 
Yeah, we, we prefer was, to call it Super Bowl 56. Whatever okay. that, I'm sorry. That was awesome. I was in the building. The halftime show was amazing. It was L.A. to the max, and, like, the Rams won the Super Bowl, and my friend is the quarterback. That was awesome. Not going to lie. Uh, but before that, and this one sticks with me forever, I got to sit courtside. The only time I ever sat courtside at a basketball game, uh, my agent hooked me up. We sat courtside together, him and I, and Kobe who was kind of on the tail end of his career. He wasn't playing a lot of games that year. Uh, he played like a lot of minutes against the Houston Rockets and just had like absolute vintage Kobe moments, step back, freaking jump shots, like drove to the hole a few different times. Like it looked like I was watching a younger version of, of Kobe, even though I knew he was, you know, kind of on his way out. Uh, it was, I'll never forget that. And obviously now it means a lot more that we don't have Kobe around anymore. The funny thing about that game, though, Chris, is I'm sitting there having the time of my life. I couldn't believe how amazing it was to watch this up close and personal. About the third quarter, I get a call from Olivia. The power went out. We were living in Malibu at the time. The power's out. I don't know what to do. Can you please come home? I had to leave the game early. Oh. That's how much I love you, Olivia. Ooh. Sorry, Michelle would be sitting in the dark. Um, <laughs> for me, I'll go two things as well. I've been fortunate to cover some amazing 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 events in my career so fortunate number one is the u.s open in 2000 where tiger woods kicked the shit out of everybody dusted the field by 15 shots at the u.s open up at pebble beach it was four days of ideal weather mm. you see grown men brought to their knees in a golf tournament the watching guys walk off the 18th hole look up at the scoreboard shake their heads and be like good luck we're never winning a tournament again was a really, really cool thing. Um, number two was the first BCS game that we covered at Fox. I was doing the pregame show, Oklahoma against the little engine that could in Boise State. So it was Adrian Peterson and Sam Bradford on the Oklahoma team. And Boise State I remember this. came in in the Fiesta Bowl ran the Statue of Liberty play to win on a two-point conversion, ran the hook and ladder, the whole thing on a fourth and like 18 play. The excitement in that building was unparalleled. Just an unreal event. And I was so happy for the little kids from Boise State. So I remember cool. that. The dude proposed like right after they won that game. Yeah, Chris Myers fucked that whole thing up afterward because he was doing the interview afterward. Uh, with Ian Johnson was the running back's name, and his girlfriend was the um, cheerleader on the team. Mm -hmm. So he's interviewing Ian Johnson, who scored the game-winning two-point conversion, and he goes, "I uh, so uh, you want to uh, ask her something, or uh, I do believe? Why don't you just say, Ian, thanks very much. Anything else? And then let him do his thing instead of, I, uh, do you want to maybe ask her to uh, marry you? I do believe. <laughs> I, whatever. All right, uh, we are uh, we are back at it again on Monday with another yes. division preview, and we'll get you all set for the week, the countdown to opening day. Everybody have a good, safe, amazing weekend out there. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose. Thanks for tuning in to Baseball Today.